Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today, hour number two of our show. Of course, when anything happens in sports, we give it right to you here, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right here on SportsGrid. This is Fantasy Sports Today, Craig Mish, at JoePizzaPS17, and of course, on Twitter, at SportsGrid. With uh, the lack of sports happening, we're trying to get you a little bit of a heads up on some of the NFL news and notes uh, in terms of the futures bets. And if you go back on demand, watch all of our shows on YouTube, you can find all the discussions that we have had, and we've given you, you know, our potential opinions on some of the over-unders in terms of player propositions for 2020. And uh, today we're going to pivot a little bit, actually, Joe. We've been, we're still going to uh, stick around with some of the same players, but uh, we're actually going to head to the uh, DraftKings sportsbook today. Okay. Why not? Why not? There's, as long as there's football to talk about on game. I know you really don't want to talk about it. I'm excited to talk about it because I'm stoked for football season, of course. The Fantasy Football Black Book is out on Amazon right now and number one bestseller already in fantasy sports. Day one, love that. I know the Purple Book, we knocked you down to, uh, I think you're underneath we're struggling. Quidditch. You're yeah, underneath we're Quidditch and Badminton. There's a couple other things. You're, yeah. you're kind of down there, but uh, I'm rooting for you, kid. I'm rooting for you, but it happens when the Black Book drops. It's, you know... It's uh, I'll send you one. I'll send you I'll send you a copy of it. But I'm happy to talk in football, especially this next guy, because I think there's a lot of people that have been souring down on this guy. And kind of like Daniel Jones last year, he's going to have a better fantasy season than people realize. All right. So we're going to talk about Drew Locke today. We're going to start off with him from the Denver Broncos. Uh, DraftKings has set his number at three thousand four hundred and fifty yards. And uh, a little bit of, you know, better odds here, too, by the way, on uh, DraftKings, for whatever reason, <laughs> on this one. Minus 110 to win 100 last year in five games. He threw for 1,000 yards. So prorating these numbers over the course of the season, it would be very close to this number of 3,450. And uh, when Locke was in there, they played much better than they played with Flacco, who uh, just really couldn't move yeah. toward the end of, of last yeah. year. So, um, look, it, it's going into year two. Um, I personally... Uh, saw improvements from Locke later on in the year. Unfortunately, in a couple of games, it didn't mean anything. So I'm still not 100% sold. I was still, wasn't 100% sold on him in college either. But they have added some nice weapons. And my hope is, is that they see uh, more of an opportunity to win in that division this year. And they also see more of an opportunity to play uh, offense in 2020. Because the offense that they were playing for the majority of last year was just a disaster. It was running the clock as much as possible to just get out of town. Um, they weren't throwing the ball almost at all. And they did a little bit with Locke toward the end of the year, but it was ground control, really boring football games to watch. They'd hand the ball off to one of the two running backs, either Lindsey or Freeman. The clock would run down all the way to one, they'd hike it. It would run all the way to one, they'd hike it. They just played that game mm -hmm. for about three games or four games last year. So if they're going to play that game again this year, then this is an under. And if not, and they decide, hey, it's time to open it up a little bit, then maybe it's an over. But I can't certainly say that I trust the situation, because if that was the case, that they drafted a first-round quarterback a couple of years ago in Paxton Lynch, it didn't work out either. So I'm on the fence with Drew Locke, really. That's just no, kind of where I'm at. And I can understand that. I'm using the phrase with Drew Locke, too big to fail. Uh, when you bring in Melvin Gordon, when you have Lindsey there ready, when you have Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. I mean, everybody last year when Drew Locke took over, it was, okay, that's it. Forget it. Forget all your Cortland Sutton shares. They're all going to go down the toilet. Well, they didn't. They didn't. They were actually pretty good. <laughs> so uh, I don't think you draft Jerry Judy to just sit on the clock either. I, I just, I don't see why you would do that. If you wanted to do that, there were other guys you could have selected and gone that route. So I'm hoping it's a little bit more. You did a very nice job earlier in the segment of basically extrapolating out the stats. I'm going to do the hyper mathematical version of this, which is, uh, Drew Locke basically last year was averaging 204 yards per game. This over under number of 34.50 and a half basically is uh, 215. So we're talking about uh, an 11 yards per game difference. Now, that doesn't seem like a whole lot to me. When I boil it down to that, 
that makes me encouraged that this number is actually pretty achievable. However, it's also right there, as you said, and it makes me a little bit afraid. I think if you came back with the season and said, hey, he was right at 3,500 yards and, uh, you know, he he didn't turn the ball over that much. I think that the Denver Broncos could be very competitive, but I don't see like this Drew Locke situation where he's going over you know, 4,000 yards, like or 3,800. I don't think that's the case either. So I'm a little afraid of that, but I think they can be successful at around 35. And I think that's very achievable when I hyper focus it and give you that difference of just a mere 11 yards per game difference. Does that entice you to take the over or is this number you're still afraid of? Um, it's, it's not afraid. It's just, I, I don't, I don't particularly trust the player yet. And that's fair. And the number, you know, it, it pretty much seems where it should be. So I, I don't, I don't really just get where the value is on, on 3,500 yards with him. So it, it's just not one that I like a lot. He definitely has more weapons around him for sure. I mean, that's that has to be acknowledged, mm-hmm. but it, but what is Denver's game plan having at least two really good running backs on their team? Like, what was the point of signing Melvin Gordon? You already had Lindsey. I suppose Freeman is gone. They'll probably cut him or just send him somewhere else. I'm surprised they didn't trade him during the draft for like a sixth or seventh round pick. But I mean, part of me feels like it's still a predominantly running team, and Fangio is more of a defensive guy too. So I, I'm not saying that it's under or over. I just I don't love I don't. I, I don't know enough about what they're going to do. And, and and the idea that, oh, you know, John Elway, Denver Broncos. You know, I mean, John Elway, Denver Broncos, Paxton Lynch, you know, Brock Osweiler. So, I, I mean, <laughs> there, there's, no, there's, there's no narrative that you could play to say, oh, yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing because it's not the case. No. Uh, look, I, I think they're going to be better than people realize. However, I, I don't want to go crazy with this number in the over because I don't think you have Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon if you're not committed to running the football as well. So I think this is actually going to be a pretty balanced team. I think they're going to be better than people realize. Noah Fant is one of my favorite sleeper tight ends. Not that there is such a thing as sleeper, but in terms of a value of ROI, I think Noah Fant has a lot of upside. And I think he showed you a little bit some flashes last year. And most rookie tight ends don't show you anything. But he showed you enough that you could say, all right, I think there's something to build on there. But, uh, I mean, Cortland Sutton was terrific last year. Judy, I think, is going to be a stud. He is a stud. Uh, it's just a matter of can everything click? I wish there was more time for them to all work together. I don't know how that's going to affect everything as well. But I think this is numbers to stay away because I think it's basically spot on. And I think that number as a projection is actually a successful year for Drew Locke, to be honest with you. So I don't want to like go crazy with it either. All right. Well, we'll see what happens with Drew Locke. That's the number over on DraftKings. If uh, you want to get in on it, check it out. All right. uh, 2020 player prop today. We're going to move on from one spectrum to the other, one that we don't know a lot about to one that uh, puts together these fantastic seasons. Um, Last year, unfortunately for Patrick Mahomes, a little bit of an injury kept him under his total. This year, DraftKings has put the number at 4,550 passing yards for Patrick Mahomes. He threw for 4,000 last year. Uh, 5,000 the year before that. (laughs) And there's no question that he would have at least come close to that number. And look, Andy Reid is is just still involved in this offense. And to me, the only thing that can stop him from getting close to 5,000 and getting over this number would be an injury. And that certainly does exist. We saw it there last year. In fact, we saw injuries a couple of times with Mahomes. So um, as long as he doesn't miss two games, I think we're good. I mean, my fear at the end of the year is, is, is Kansas City a you know, 14 and one team heading into the last week. Remember, you got to use all of these games that are involved in order to hit your total and a non-playing game from Mahomes in the last week could end up costing you. That would be my biggest fear here is that it's pretty clear that the Chiefs are going to be really good. And, uh, you know, it could be a 10 or 11 win really good. But what if it's a 14 win or a 15 win and he ain't playing in the last week Mm -hmm. and you're sitting on 4,400 yards going, man, this guy had an MVP year, but. You don't play. I mean, that defense was really bad in Kansas City. They were terrible. Uh, they did improve last they year. They weren't really good last year. Huh? They weren't really good, but they were improved. And I think that's something you have to consider. When you throw for 5,000 yards, that's because you're basically in shootouts every single week and, and nobody could stop anybody. The Kansas City defense in the second half of last year played much better. I still think there's holes in it. I agree with you. I don't think that they're all-world defense. They're not the same defense that the Baltimore Ravens are going to be in some other teams. However... I think when you're talking about this equation of the 5,000 yards, that's what a 5,000 yard, like that's what happens. It's like, like 5,000 yards happens because usually it's a combination of great quarterback, incredible weapons, and the need to use them. 
I don't know if they're going to have the need to use them to that extent. If you take last year's uh, yards per game of Patrick Mahomes, which is 287, and multiply that times 16, you got 4,592. Very close to this number. So giving you that and that little bit of information, does that change how you feel? Or you still think this is an easy over? Or is this a stay away for you? Because I got to be honest with you, I think this number is another one where I don't want to be boring today. And usually I'm the guy who's like, rah, rah, I'm going the over, I'm going the under, and I have passionate opinions. I think both these numbers are really spot on. And I don't like either one of them to put $1,000 of my money on. Because like you said, if he sits out a game, that could be it. If the defense continues to improve, that could be it. If Clyde Edwards-Alaire really does uh, show up into this running game and they can have a little bit more balance to the offense, that could hurt this number. So there's a lot of a lot of factors here that doesn't look like Patrick Mahomes getting closer to that 5,000. Maybe it's closer to 4,500. Yeah, I think that that's I think that that's a fair assessment. You know, if I had to, I would go over. If I had to. And, and I think that we've illustrated a lot, and not, a, not to be boring on a day like this, but we have illustrated a lot of potential bets that we like more than these. Uh, but, I, but I do worry a little bit about the end of the season. I do, little, I do worry a little bit about injuries, but having to pick a side on this one, I'm going to side with Mike Trout. I'm going to side with Patrick Mahomes. I'm, I'm going to go uh, with LeBron James. <laughs> like, like, give me the best That's player. Fine. And I'll and I'll side with those guys as opposed to just flipping a coin on a guy that I don't really know a lot about. So that would be my preference here. Uh, the number isn't astronomically high, but it is high enough to say to yourself, man, like 4,300 yards for Mahomes would be a really good season still. And, and that's why it would be uh, probably another pass for me. Do you know there's only one person who's thrown for 5,000 yards more than once in their career? 5,000 yards more than once. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Breeze? Yep. Yeah. That's it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Winston, Roethlisberger, uh, Drew Brees in 2016, Drew Brees in 2013, Peyton Manning in 13, Drew Brees in 2012, <laughs> Matthew Stafford in 2011, Tom Brady in 2011, Drew Brees in 2011, Drew Brees in 2008. <laughs> I mean, and then of course, Dan Marino in 1984. So 5,000 yards is is tough. You know, that that's not a... Doesn't grow on trees, boys and girls. And I think Patrick Mahomes, hey, I am president of the fan club, man. I love Patrick Mahomes. He's my favorite quarterback to watch play. I thought that he was grossly undervalued coming into the draft. I couldn't understand why people didn't see the talent that I saw when I looked at the film of Patrick Mahomes. But man, oh man, like 4,500 seems about right for a team that I think has got their aspirations in the playoffs. And that's my problem. It's like regular season, eh, whatever. This is a playoff team. I don't think he needs to throw for over 4,500 yards this year. Yeah, agree with that. All right, uh, we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back next, we head back over to DraftKings. We take a look at the tight end position. We haven't hit on these yet. We'll do it next right here on Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. Don't go away. In game live. But it looks like East Coast, West Coast for the NHL, East Conference Tournament, Western Conference Tournament, NBA Finals, (laughs) NHL Finals, NFL season, college football season, and then, oh, by the way, Kentucky Derby, U.S. Open, both golf, and tennis. I mean, September is like the best month in the history of sport. It is going to be, Jared, too sweet if you think about it. Catch the program every single day on FNTSY Radio and on the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today as we kick around some discussion on the 2020 NFL season and look at some of the player props and we're diving into DraftKings today. We've been covering a lot of the quarterbacks and the running backs today. We're actually going to be focused on the former 24-7 champ in the WWE. Who would have thought? It's See, we're talking wrestling. Look at this. Finally, I knew if I stayed on this show long Over enough. Over under on, on matches that, that Gronk will win in 2020. Uh, what do you, set, let's set the total at a half. Uh, in 2020, I'm going to say under because he's, he's not going to wrestle again. Well, he's not going to wrestle again this year, but he 2021, I'd go over the half because the contract is good for a year up until WrestleMania. 
which means there's going to be some more Rob Gronkowski nonsense. But now that he's playing NFL football again, it's a no-no to the WWE for now. But I'll tell you what, the tight end position is in much better shape than it was a year ago. Last year, going into it, it was a wasteland. It was the top three guys. And then a bunch of nobody who knew what the hell was going to go on. Uh, I saw a lot of, you know, I remember Mike Randall, who actually wrote for the Black Book this year, who works for Action Network. He was the guy that turns me on to Mark Andrews and said, look, you got to pay attention to this guy. I'm telling you right now, he's going to pop. And he did. And I was in a draft with him, but he took him. And I said, look, there he goes, taking this guy. Uh, But this year, there's a really good middle of the tight end tier. It's got Evan Ingram. It's got Mark Andrews. It's like right after that elite group that you don't have to pay an arm and a leg for Zach Ertz or Kelsey or or George Kittle. And instead, you pivot to that next, that 1A group is really good. There's some names there. Even if you drop down to, you know, the Jared Cooks of the world who, you know, showed in that offense, he's going to catch touchdowns at the very least. Uh, I think you can do a lot better. And I don't think Rob Gronkowski is a guy that you should be targeting uh, outside of those wacky two tight end leagues, which are, I don't know why anyone tortures himself. It, you think two catchers bad? How about two tight end? That's, that's, oh, that's, yeah. it. forget it. Terrible, terrible. What kind, of, what kind of league they call that? Bad. Poorly super, thought out. Super tight end flex. Yeah, oh, these call it a two tight, tight end half flex with a mocha latte, uh, something with a half calf. Sounds I, good. I, I could use I, one. I could, <laughs> I could use one of those. Somebody, somebody get us a coffee. We need more PAs to get us coffee. That's what we need. Fantasy sports today. Well, oh, I do it. have one right here. Wait, oh, wait, oh, wait a minute. Did someone want a vente chai latte? There it is. Craig Mish pulls it out. Nothing up his sleeve, ever. Not today. Not today. All right. Uh, so, uh, DraftKings set Rob Gronkowski's number for receiving yards this year um, pretty low, 600 and a half, and the total is minus 110. Of course, he didn't play last year. He went over 600 when he played two years ago. He got 682 in 2017. That's like the three-year figure. He had uh, 1084. Uh, the reality is, is, I mean, what does this come out to? I mean, really, I mean, 40 yards a game, and he goes over it. it. It would seem that he could. And and honestly, if Gronk was to have one big game with the Bucks, like eight catches, 140 yards, like one game, you're probably going to hit this total. But I don't know if he's going to have that one game where he does that. So um, I don't know. I mean, I could only go under. I would love to see an over here because it would make it exciting. But how could I possibly bet on this? It seems foolish. It's so difficult because my heart is in. I love Rob Gronkowski. He's a, he's just fun. I mean, there's <laughs> like this is a guy. You just you say his name and you smile. I mean, what, if you don't like Rob Gronkowski, what's wrong with you? He's fun. Oh my goodness! But look, 600 is tempting. It's tempting to go over. But the problem is, you have to look at the game log in the last few years too. I mean, last uh, last time he played in 18, 13 games. Year before that, 14. Year before that, eight. So the trend's not going in the right direction. I don't know, and none of us know how his body's going to react of not playing football for an entire year. Maybe it's this incredible fountain of youth and it refreshes him and, oh, my goodness, it's so great and fantastic. And he looks at – but what I remember most about Rob Gronkowski was a guy in that last year where they won that final Super Bowl with him was a guy that looked like he had absolutely lost a step, a guy that was gearing up for one last run off into the sunset – and a guy whose body looked like it betrayed him. He's wearing the elbow guard. He's wearing the knee things. He's wearing all these different things he's got because he was basically just held together with string. And I know he's in phenomenal shape, and I get it. Like a year off from contact has got to be great. But it's not the contact I'm worried about. It's the step. And if he lost a step two years ago, I don't know what it looks like now. So for that reason, I'm going to stay away from this because my heart is in it, and I can't. I'm rooting for him to go over but that's not a good reason to put my money down. And I think that's a good bit of uh, bit of betting advice out there for people. Well, definitely don't bet with your heart. I mean, no. that's the easiest, no. easiest thing of all. But um, I but my head says I can't I can't say he can't achieve this number because the last time when all of that was happening, he was at 682. So he's basically around that same spot. I mean, I mean, the question is, did the year off make him healthier, better, and more effective, or did the year off uh, destroy any chance of this happening? And that's what we don't know. And, and and OJ Howard's still there. Not that it matters what OJ Howard. Now, but, for now. But it wasn't like they just said, "Yeah, get by OJ Howard." We believe in Rob Gronkowski. Well, not yet, but you know, well, I mean, I, listen, there's still months to go before this. In happens. a standard league, I think Rob Gronkowski is going to t- catch some touchdowns. Like I think that's going to happen. And yeah, good point. Yeah, Brett brings up the camera brace there too. But I think you know, Rob Gronkowski in a standard league as a tight end, I can understand like tight end twelve because. 
look, there's going to be some TDs go his way, but it's the yardage totals that I'm really concerned with. Yeah, I mean, I think probably for me I would lean under because I'm just not a believer that this can happen. And if he gets hurt at all, it's definitely an under two. But, yeah, I mean, it does scare me to think that, you know, pick any game during the regular season and give him 150 yards. He really doesn't have to do anything the rest of the season. And we have seen that from Gronk, although it's been almost three years since we have. So my lean would be, uh, you know, toward the under for sure. And So would we'll mine. I think someone's going to make a mistake starting him at the beginning of the season, not rostering him, but starting him. I think that, you know, going into week one, you know, probably expecting that would be a realistic expectation. I think that this guy is going to catch five balls on game one, but save this video, go back and cold take. <laughs> cold um, takes. Warm cold take breezes, not hot takes, just warm right. breezes. Warm breezes, right. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Uh, TCU uh, had a great receiver last year, Jalen Rager. This is the first, uh, you know, rookie wide receiver that we're taking a look at his uh, totals here. Uh, DraftKings has set up his total uh, pretty low. Uh, also, I wish that this was a combined yardage because I could see him on punt returns. But uh, 650 and a half yards, minus 110 to win 100. Um, you know, certainly last year was a really down year for him. Uh, the the quarterbacking was just their offense was just a complete disaster last year and I watched a lot of their games. Um, I'm I'm certainly not willing to look at last year and believe that that was an indicator. Two years ago was when he had the monster year there and just take a look at where he was taken in the NFL draft. If last year's stats meant anything, he never would have been taken. I mean, who gets taken with 600 receiving yards right. in the first round of the NFL draft? Uh, so I'm a big believer in this player, but I'm also going to be realistic here. It's the first year. And a receiver in their first year is not always a great thing. In fact, it's very rare that a guy will come right out of the box as a first-year guy and end up being a star. What does he have for him to go over? He's got a quarterback that can throw it and throw it pretty deep. What also does he have going for him? He may be the best receiving option they have on that team. Uh, what does he have going against him? It's a new system. He is a rookie. I think that they're going to run the ball a lot more this year. And simply put, to ask a kid in his first year who doesn't know an offense to get a thousand yards receiving usually is a lot. So uh, because I like the kid, I want to go over. I do think in two years he's Steve Smith. I just don't know that it happens this year. Well, we have a theme here, which is putting our personal feelings aside and our rooting interests away from our money. And I think that is very important that we're doing that. Uh, and I, I am with you on this. I think the Eagles need him to get above his number. And I am very pro Carson Wentz. I talked about him the other day on uh, this very show when we were talking about his over under for passing yards. And it wasn't that long ago where Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson were the two most coveted dynasty quarterbacks before guys like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes rolled into town. So uh, that's not that long ago. And then both of them, you know, tore ACLs in successive weeks, basically. And everyone just threw their hands up. He's like, well, I guess that season's over with. But I'm looking at this one, and I'm saying to myself, the Eagles need him to contribute. I think 650 is a very reasonable number where he can have a good season. We can look back on it. Like you said, he can contribute on special teams as well, and he could be a very important player for this team. The trouble is, yardage-wise, 650 is a really good expectation for a rookie wide receiver that has a path to catches. He's still not the number one wide receiver. He's not the number one target on this team. So from a target volume standpoint, it's slightly concerning that they go over. If anything, I would go under, but instead I'm just going to stay away from it because, again, I think there's opportunity there for him to be right here. I think they need him to be right there if they're going to succeed, and I do think the Eagles will be a pretty good football team this year and a better offensive one than they were last year. I don't think they can be worse. There were a lot of things that did not go their way last year, a lot of health issues and a lot of other problems, but I think this year – with with Rhaegar, with Miles Sanders full year, with hopefully something looking like a healthy Alshon Jeffrey, that the Eagles are going to contend once again for the East. But 650, man, that sounds just right to me. This is this is a bummer. I got I got no spicy takes here for the show where I'm having man, I've been hanging out with Mitch too long. He's he's really made me sensible even after all these years. I don't like this at all. This is no fun. This is not good television. Me saying no no to everything. Pass. What, what is no. outside of Randy Moss and maybe Owens and a couple others? What is the precedent? Maybe Julio Jones is another one. But what is what is the precedent to have uh, a first year guy just completely blow up? Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, I, I mean, I guess that there are some. It could happen. But very few guys that fit uh, Rigger's profile, too, which is not a huge guy, like six foot or under type guy, six foot one, six foot two. Um, 
they're just there isn't a lot of track record for a receiver right out of the box doing it. Now, look, they're not setting the number super high either. I mean, this is a guy too that can have one or two really big games and and uh, and go off. Like another receiver that I liked a lot coming out of college and hasn't completely put it together, but I firmly believe if he was in a better offense, he would. Is Anthony Miller on the Bears? I mean, that kid is super talented too. <sighs> But there's no quarterback. I mean, it's just there is no one there. But every time they throw him the ball, he catches it. Like, it's just. I know. I know. The problem is, what do you think of the quarterback play? And I don't think too much of it. Uh, Here, I'm going to go through some of the names of some of the the better wide receivers, rookie seasons. Uh, Rookie season of 1070 for 23-year-old Amari Cooper uh, in 2015. Julio Jones, who you mentioned. Uh, Keenan Allen in 2013 had a very good season. He was at uh, 1046. So that's pretty good. Marquise Colston of the Saints in 06. A.J. Green, 2011. Kelvin Benjamin, of course, in 2014, that great wide receiver draft. Uh, Mike Williams of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 2010. Michael Thomas of the Saints. Mike Evans. So, look, there's some guys. And Odell Beckham in 2014. That 2014 class had a very, very quick success rate. But it's pretty much like the names you hear are the elite level guys. And I don't know if I'm ready to put this name into that conversation. It's the guys who are incredibly difficult to guard. It's the, it's the Julio Joneses of the world. It's the Amari Coopers of the world. It's the Michael Thomas of the world. And I don't think he's in that class. Do you No, Um, I, I think that he's a different kind of receiver. I agree. Uh, that's why I keep the comp with Steve Smith going. Cause I think that, you know, that's sort of the kind of guy he can be. Deshaun Jackson is probably, you know, ironically plays on the same team. Maybe mm-hmm. he's another one of those types, but a little bit bigger than Deshaun Jackson, I think. Um, so look, hopefully this is a year two type thing. I'm hoping to get him in my dynasty league draft, but I don't control uh, the first or second pick in the draft. So, or third. So we'll have to see uh, if I have a crack at him. All right, uh, coming up next, it's time to go back in history a little bit more with us today. If you missed our shows the last few days, we're going into the old drawer and picking out some events that I've attended. We'll hit that next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. It is time for our look back at some of the things that have happened in in my history. I don't know. The history of Craig Fish. Is, is this any fun for you at all, seeing these old games? Uh, sometimes old games? it is, yeah. I mean, it, look, we got to talk about something here. <laughs> we got two hours here every day and no sports. Something's got to give, Craig Mish. But uh, I, I actually think I mean, we've fun. gone through old state. I mean, Brett will tell you, we've well, gone. I wasn't here for the sta- stadiums. I missed. Well, I, was I mean, it was it was three months worth of every single stadium and every iconic player that ever played for them. If we still have to do this in August. <laughs> I mean, it, it'll be like literally games I played in and box scores from the 80s and 90s. Did you say do you save ticket stubs at all? Do you save? Tickets? I used to. And I was when I was younger, I did. But uh, yeah, it's it's funny. I. Something happened, I guess, you know, as I got older, where material things, I kind of had a realization I wasn't, I wasn't into material things and, and holding on to stuff, stuff from my childhood I was because of those memories, but then it became all about my kids' stuff and things like that, not like mine. So that, that's a harder thing. Like, yeah, stuff from like, you know, oh, this is their first, you know, little Mets shirt or their first little this or whatever that now I'm like sentimental about that stuff. Cause I'm a big softy. So uh, but about sports things, no. I, and I think you're right. We talked about this on the show before. The more you're involved in covering sports, you still love sports. It takes away a, a bit of your fandom. It takes away a little bit of the the gleam, a little bit of the shine <laughs> off the rose. But I think it also, you know, in your spare time and the other things you enjoy, you kind of, I don't know about you, but I often tend to go away from sports. I go into music and films and things like that nature. So, you know, I definitely need a break from that world because – as great as to spend so much time in that world, like everybody else, sometimes you need a break from work, so to speak. Are you somebody like that too? Like you need a definitive break, you know, or are you just okay sports all the time? Like I know my buddy Bobby Sylvester, Fancy Pros, he has no idea what a movie is. Like he hasn't, uh, it's all just sports. Oh, I no, watch no, all no. All I'm, well, is he single? Uh, no. He, well, really? getting divorced. But he's not, so. Hello. But, you know, <laughs> well, that's another Well, yeah, I I guess so. But uh, yeah, I mean, I can I can break from it for sure. I can break from it. And again, I I committed almost fully to baseball and football over the last couple of years. And 
And there's only a certain amount of time for certain things. But for me, uh, in the past, I tried to, again, cover as much as I could because I didn't know how long it would last. Fortunately, it has lasted well beyond the years that I thought. So uh, as we dive in today, we're going to take a look at a couple of games and uh, one NBA and uh, one NFL, just random uh, games in history. Just no reason for it. Just a piece of paper that you guys could look at and say... Uh, Wow. I was there, Craig Bish. I was, I was really there. there. It's like this try is to like give the you, try to give you my memories from the game. Yeah, too. this is I like the Where's Waldo segment. Like I think we should have a crowd shot from each one of these games. We could just point to like a random point spec. to a map. Yeah, it's like, look there he is. There's Craig Bish. Me and Spec go hand in hand. I think. That's <laughs> All right. So May 26, 1997. This is the NBA playoffs round one. The Miami Heat make the playoffs. And this is and Alonzo Mourning is now there and Tim Hardaway and this team and the Chicago Bulls come to town. Now, where was this game in the last dance? I didn't end up hearing about it, seeing about it or anything else. Uh, but the Bulls play the heat. They have a 3-0 lead in the series. The rumors are that they went out the Bulls the night before and partying. And, you know, at this time, South Beach is coming into play. Who knows? But the heat. Down 3-0 in a series, normally team sweep, the Heat gets a game. Why? Because Michael Jordan, I mean, you'd have to tell me if he had a worse game than this ever in history. And I remember he didn't play well. I don't remember it being this bad, but it was. Uh, nine for 35 Ugh. from the field? Somebody was at South Beach. <laughs> Somebody's having a, a very, nine very for good Nine for 35? Wow. That's very for from threes? <laughs> That's very un-Jordan-like. But, uh, hey, man, they felt they had in the bag. You might as well go enjoy a night in Miami. Did they I win think the that's series? what happened. Oh, they won the series. So what do you exactly? mean? They won the championship. That's but... what I'm, I'm, it, it was a rhetorical question. I'm saying yeah, is, right. if they won the series, of yeah. course they did. But you know what? But, Michael Jordan said, still... hey, he might off. <laughs> I guess so. I guess you, that's what You can happened. have that much fun in South Beach if you're Michael Jordan, I'm pretty sure. You got a lot of money. So the, the Bulls ended up winning the next game, and that was it. And, by the way, Jordan didn't really have uh, you know crazy numbers in this series, too. I went back and looked. But I remember being at the game, and I remember – Jordan not playing well, but I certainly don't remember it going this badly. Uh, Hardaway had a great game. He had 25 points. This was really prime Hardaway at this point. And then Alonzo Mourning had 18 points and 14 rebounds. But, of course, this is not a game. Uh, if this indeed was Michael Jordan's worst playoff game, and I, I mean, could, I don't know how it could be much worse than this. I'd have to go back and look at history. But he didn't hit a single three. And he took eight shots. And he missed virtually every shot he took. <laughs> and, and that's why the he Heat ended up. He still scored 18, though. I mean, you know. <laughs> Congrats. On 35 shots. <laughs> I, would, I would hope he scored 13. Hey, 18, you know, everybody has like, an off night. Uh, you, know, you know who had a lot of these games? Kobe Bryant had a lot of these games. Well, Kobe we were Bryant, just, just checked out bad. Uh, I mean, well, Kobe Bryant would shoot 38 times and maybe only hit 12 or 13, like a couple, a few, not just a couple, a lot like that would happen because he would just take every shot. This would not happen a lot for Jordan. He wouldn't miss this many shots. So, um, yeah, I don't remember this in the last dance. I don't remember this game. They, I don't, I don't think, uh, I think he Jordan, blocked it out. I don't think the Jordan hype wagon talked about this game. <laughs> I can tell you that much, that's for sure. And, I, and and the Heat played the Bulls twice, if I'm not mistaken, in the playoffs and with uh, with Jordan there. And the first time they got swept, but it was a, the third game that they played the Heat and, and the Bulls was a crazy game. Glenn Rice had like 50 points. Jordan had like 60 points. That was before this. And then I guess this was the second time around that they played in the playoffs. The Heat got one playoff win in their history against the Bulls, and I was there at that Tim game. Hardaway, right. by the way, tough player. Yeah, he had some really good years with the Warriors and then some good years over here with the Heat. He he was tough. Like, he was one of those guys. I liked him. He had a lot of guts, man. I was a big Tim Hardaway fan. He got like another guy, like another great player in the NBA, kind of, I don't want to say lost to the shuffle, but, like, you know, a little shout-out for Tim Hardaway there. I always liked him and Chris Mullen. Those are fun teams to watch in Golden State. For sure. All right, so that's our NBA game. Now let's move over to an NFL game. Now, I, I, I had to look this up because I didn't remember it that clearly. And then as I looked at the box score, I sort of remembered it. But uh, this was, I and again, I'm you know looking at it, I thought, well, Patriots, let's see what happened in this game. So uh, simply put, I picked up the, the credential. I'm like, oh, Patriots played the Bucs. So I, I don't really remember what this game is. I know that what the date is. Uh, Brady wasn't around, so maybe they won, maybe they lost. I don't know. I looked. And wow, what in the world happened this game to New England? Um, I'll tell you what happened. This is when Tampa Bay is making this run with this epic defense that they had. Mm -hmm. And they just annihilated uh, Drew Bledsoe in this game. 
Uh, Buccaneers beat the Patriots 27 to 7 in this one. They were up 27 to nothing uh, going into the fourth, and then the Patriots scored a late touchdown, and I guess they broke the uh, the shutout there. But Drew Bledsoe was sacked five times in this game and threw two interceptions, no touchdowns. Mike Allstott ran 16 times for 91 yards in the touchdown. Eric Red also had a touchdown. Ward yeah. Dunn, uh, you know, had some had some runs uh, as well, but. Look, this was this was pre-Belichick. Obviously, Pete Carroll was there. This was that's pre- right. These uh, are the Brady Pete Carroll well. years, Craig, that I lived through. That a real Patriot pretty, fan remembers. But they were okay. They, they were okay. Terrible. They weren't great. They were they were lackluster at times. Uh, they were disappointing more often than not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I remember Mike Allstott very well. Another one of my favorite players. Bring back the fullbacks. We got a guy like Mike Allstadt just bowling over. There was a, he wasn't really a fullback. He was a running back. I don't know what he was, man, but he was a beast. That's all I know. There's a great piece that's floating around social media. It was actually on Facebook. I saw it a couple weeks ago. Of Somebody had a highlight reel they were sharing of Mike Allstadt on one of the big football pages. And I was watching Mike Allstadt just, just bowling guys over and thinking to myself, man, what is this guy right now in the NFL? What a what a fantastic weapon he was and how it kind of suited this team. This was a this was a tough in-your-face kind of team, like we talked about before. This was a really strong defense that they had built here with the Warren Saps of the world and all those guys. And um, yeah, I don't have a memory of this game, uh, but not really. I, Hulahan Stadium is what I'm trying yeah, to remember. Yeah, it was called Hulahan. What yeah. was that? I, I mean, I was in college then, so I guess I missed a lot of things, you know. Have it, me and Michael Jordan were hanging I, out. I think, I think this was before they moved into, um, you know, the new stadium. I think this I just, was I uh, before no Raymond James. Hulahan's, like Hulahan's. It was a restaurant. Like, it was right. a restaurant was in say, that area. Still Hulahan's, uh, that's what I, I just want to make sure. We're talking Hands like the chain restaurant, like Fridays, Ruby Tuesdays. Yes. There's still a Hands on Route 22 by my house in New Jersey, which uh, I think I've been to, but not in uh, at least a decade. But I didn't think Hands had the kind of cash on them to be named. I think the, I, well, I think the Glazers, the Glazer family bought the team and they owned Hands. I think. I think I that's see. kind of. I, I think that's kind of how it started. But um, will will there ever be another player? you know, along the lines of an all-star? Do you think that the, a big fullback will ever play? Or I mean, I say fullback, but he really wasn't. He wasn't blocking. He was running. Will there ever be a big dude like that, either African-American or white? I mean, I, I don't want to just keep going to the white guys and say, Peyton Hillis, you know? Like, I, I, like will there ever be a guy that... I'm going to say yes, because the NFL monster? is a little cyclical, and every now and then you do get kind of a weird, freakish... You, you get a Gronkowski. You get a guy that you're not expecting. Like things happen like that in the NFL. Have, have we seen anyone since uh, that fits the, like an all-star? Not with that level of success. Nah, I don't think so. I mean, look, there's not a lot of teams that even use the fullback and run power. I, I mean, that's the one thing the Patriots still do a lot of, and it hurt them when Devlin got hurt last year. That's when the offense really tailspin. When you can you can mark it on the calendar when James Devlin got hurt last year. That offense went into a complete tailspin. They couldn't run the football efficiently, which means they couldn't set up play action, which means everything went down to crapper. And that's why this draft was very important for them. The new tight end that they drafted, they're going to try to convert him into like an H-back kind of fullback system there and kind of make him the new Devlin who retired this offseason. But, um, yeah, it's funny because you just don't see that type of football. But then again, you know, I always feel like there are these moments where we get this talent that nobody's expecting from a position you're not expecting it. And... You know, next thing you know, there he is. I mean, Von Miller was another guy who was not really like the right size for the position. A lot of people thought and look at what kind of, you know, terrorizing force Von Miller was for a few years in the NFL. I know he's a little older now, but I feel like that's always the case. I would like to see it. I guess that's the thing I'm getting at. I, I know I would. Would you love to see another Michael? Uh, I mean, any, anything, anything different is is cool and good. It's just I, I'm, you know, the last back that I remember who was always looking for content was LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt was always looking to hit That's somebody. That's a good example Mar- of a guy. Marshawn yeah. Lynch, LeGarrette Blunt, those are the kind of guys who are looking for contact, looking to put you on your rear end. And they did. And they Derrick Henry, no? Derrick Henry's like that, but Derrick Henry's different. I mean, not like he's he's too big to be All-Stock. All-Stock was more like a bowling ball, almost. Like, in the, you know, he, was just, he wasn't as big. Derrick Henry's enormous. He's more like Earl Campbell than Mike Allstott. Mike Allstott is, you know, a, a smaller guy by comparison to Derrick Henry. Nobody should want to tackle Derrick Henry. I, I know I wouldn't. Yeah, no, I, I just, I, I think that that's kind of the interesting direction that we could potentially be headed. And um, 
it would be nice to see some sort of thing like that change in the NFL to have someone come in like that. All right, uh, coming back next, there was some news yesterday about the XFL. We've got all the latest for you. Big news on the XFL. <laughs> SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Craig and Joe here with you as we are about to wrap things up. We'll be right back here tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, for another edition of Fantasy Sports Today. I know this weekend... Joe, you'll be back in action with another edition of Diamond Bets. What can we expect on the show coming up this week? Ah, Diamond Bets, a lot of silliness, that's for sure. We are bringing back Flipping Cards, our little uh, fun quiz show slash baseball card uh, little segment there. It's a a lot of fun. We take two crazy baseball cards and ask a question, and we kind of debate back and forth. So if you like a little comedy with your baseball, it's a good time. We're also going to break down uh, the American League West teams, and we'll do some more home run props, too, with – our expectation at this point of somewhere around half of a major league baseball season. We shall see, but uh, definitely some great conversations, a great baseball talk. Plus we're going to also get into some of our favorite uh, voices of baseball that when we think of baseball, what are the voices that play in our head? You know, I know a lot of people love Vince Scully. I do too. There was something special about staying up late to watch those Dodger games on MLB network, just to hear Vince Scully call a game solo I used to do it all the time, and uh, I am far from a Dodger fan, but to listen to that man tell stories, to listen to, as a broadcaster, how incredibly smooth and effortless he was and could weave in and out of the game action with stories and no need for a second guy, no need for anything else. You just see Vin Scully. We talked about some of the characters, like uh, we also, Bob Murphy, who was the voice of my childhood on the radio of the New York Mets. I was spoiled. I had Gary Thorne and Bob Murphy calling games when I was a kid on WFAN in New York. And let me tell you, Gary Thorne, one of the A-plus announcers, great hockey voice, also calls the Baltimore Orioles games. Uh, And, of course, Harry Carey, guys like that. So we got to do a fun discussion with that as well. When I say, you know, voices of baseball, who are the names that pop in for you? In in the history or currently? Oh, just for you personally as Craig Mitch. You know, everyone has those – Identifiable, uh, you know, you know, you know what? The, the best, Phil the best judo was one for a lot of people. Yeah, I sure. The best story I would say that I have Harry Callis. Ah, another great one. Broadcast for the Phillies for many, many years. Right. Um, uh, became you know decent friends with I would say, mm-hmm. uh, because of seeing him because the, the Phillies played the Marlins so often. And uh, one time they came to town and I asked him to record my answering machine for me. Oh, that's terrific. And, and he did. And he's, I said, Craig can't get to the phone right now. He's away, but he he'll be s- he'll be back, 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 back soon. Oh, terrific. The only thing and better I, than and that was on my been... Blackberry, I think. Oh, that, that's a file I wish you had. That'd be... Yeah. That's that's a, that's a good one. I was hoping he would say Craig can't come to the phone because he just got sent down to AAA or something like that. Yeah, it was, it was, he actually like knew exactly what to do. Like I was really. Oh, I'm sure you're not the first person to ask him to do yeah. that. So, uh, but that's that's a great story. And I, I was lucky because I went to college in Philadelphia when he was still calling Phillies games. So I got to listen to him all the time, too. I, I've been very blessed when it came to baseball voices in my life. And as a Met fan, as torturous as the games are. It doesn't get much better than Ron Darling, Keith Hernandez, and Gary Cohn together calling games. Right. And yeah. uh, that's the one thing, you know, it's the one thing that makes the games watchable because you can at least listen to those guys. And the best is when the Mets are bad, the frustration of Ron Darling and Keith Hernandez, who are just hyper competitive yeah, guys, yeah. especially Hernandez, who just calls out everybody <laughs> at every given time. I heard Eckersley's a fun listen to also, but I don't think I've ever heard him do a game. And Bob Euchre's another one. Not just as the major league announcer, but Bob Euchre doing regular baseball for the Brewers. It's another great listen to. I remember driving and uh, you could you know click on Sirius and you get all the different channels. You can hear him. But um, it's I don't want to say it's a lost art form. There's still some great people. There out are very there. few left. 
there but there's are very, very few, few of the great ones and and very few of the characters you know like everybody's so clean and everyone's so broadcast cool harry carey was you know i mean everybody knows about like the harry carey imitations and you know will ferrell's obviously is very famous but yeah. let's be honest was it all that different I mean, if Harry Carey said the thing, I often say things that Will Ferrell said when he was playing. It was like, hey, what's your favorite planet? Mine's the sun. Like, of course, like he would say things like that sometimes. He would. He would. Ryan Dempster did a great Harry Carey, too. Oh, my God. It, it, that, was, that was the one thing that I was very fortunate being in the press box covering the Marlins is that they all came through there at one point. Like, oh. at one point, And I made it always a point. I showed... Uh, when Dick Enberg was with the Padres, I showed him around he had never been. I showed him where to go and where his booth was and everything like that. Euchre, all of those guys. Yeah, I mean, um, Kirk Gowdy, not, I, I don't want to say all of them, but a lot of them I had a, I had yeah, a there chance. There were just so many. You know, the one voice I never cared for, and this is, again, uh, I don't, I just never did, and I, he was a Mets announcer before he was a national announcer, was Tim McCarver. I never cared for him calling the games. Uh, I never mind Joe Buck. I know a lot of people always want to take shots at Joe Buck. I think Joe Buck does a pretty good job. Uh, and he he works a pretty tough schedule. That guy, I don't think he gets any. And he's got a pretty good sense of humor about himself, which I I wish everybody would kind of give him a little bit more credit. I mean, you think last year when he's working those football games on top of working the World Series and going back and forth, you know, sleeping for a couple hours. I mean, that's people don't realize how difficult that is. It's not just calling it a game. A lot more goes into it. But I just feel like everybody's so clean now and everybody's so pristine. And baseball, you know, was in New York. It was Mel Allen and Bob Murphy and Lindsey Nelson and all these guys that pretty much they put up, you know, some of these guys you all know and I know, like Harry Carey, they'd put a bottle and a glass and they'd start calling the game. <laughs> By the seventh inning, who knows what Ralph Kiner was going to say. <laughs> Very true. I miss it. Okay, well, one day maybe you'll get it back. I go. Check out Diamond Bets for more of that discussion. Right, this Diamond Bets, on the there you go. There you go. I knew we started somewhere here. That's where it began. But look, okay, this is good. This is fun. This is fun conversation. We got, we got through, yeah, we got, we got through an interesting talk here. The end okay. of the show. What are we going to do? So, so um, I thought we would end the show a little lighthearted, and uh, <laughs> we did. So goodbye. No, but, <laughs> but, but the XFL, uh, XFL Joe is going to be having an auction. They filed Chapter 11. I, th I think I saw a report last year that, or last week that was like, yeah, they still could come back. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I mean, we're going to have to, I mean, oh, seriously. Vince like, man was buying a lot of IP up and a lot of other things. Yeah, there okay, was a good. lot of stuff going on. We what, have what talked an... a lot of Vince McMahon and WWE on the show today. This is great. Loving I it. Mean, I mean, ridiculous. But come back, come back and fold again if you want. But either way, the ridiculousness of the XFL. Now, certainly a lot of people worked for the XFL and they lost their jobs, and I don't want to make light of that. But. The fact that they're having an auction, uh, I thought it would be fun to go through some of the top things that you could buy from the XFL when they have their auction, as they auction off all of their uh, all of their material here from the the inaugural and only, well, sort of only uh, reboot of the uh, XFL season. I never saw an auction for the AAF, but there is one for the XFL. <laughs> they so couldn't, even, they couldn't raise enough funds for the auction for the AAF, but yeah, God. Couldn't find an auctioneer. They asked, they asked Lenny Melnick. <laughs> I knew you were going to. As you soon as you coming? said that, I knew that's where you were going to go with right. it. Good. Oh, Lord. Okay, let's go. All right, so here we are. Here are the items up for the XFL bankruptcy auction. This is uh, satirical a little bit here. I made all these up, but I, th I think that they're worth talking about. All right, so if you want to buy the XFL season yearbook, it will cost you 25 cents. We'll start off with that. This is probably paying too much for that. I don't, I don't think anybody would even want it for 25 cents. Um, Oliver Luck, the commissioner of the league. Poor Oliver Luck. He hasn't had a lot. To, he had a lot to say before the league started. Hasn't had a lot to say since it folded, has he? Uh, you could get his chair from his office for $1.50. It says Luck on there, and it's... Uh, Says X, you get the XFL logo for a buck fifty, and I think that I would consider buying his chair for a dollar fifty. I could use. Uh, Depends on how comfortable the chair is. Let's be honest. Yeah, it does. I'm a very big fan of a good desk chair. This is not the one that I'm sitting in right now. Is not the one that I'm speaking of. Mine has a high top, and I can't use it for this TV show. So, yeah. uh, got to get myself another one. I should have got that before I got my new setup. But anyway, um, okay. Now here's the most expensive item that you could buy in the auction here: those microphones. That were on the players yeah. during the game, uh, sixty dollars. I mean, that's that's uh, you know not a hefty price tag, but you can buy one of their microphones that the players were wearing a game used microphone, Joe, for sixty bucks. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, so far the desk chair, 
because uh, again, it has a use at least, and you know, I could sit in there pretend I'm Oliver Luck and you know yell out orders, or maybe so would I you could... feel comfortable sitting in somebody else's used chair, um, even, even if it was free. Uh, it's a good point. You know, Probably depends not. on what. Depends on what the butt print is like on the chair. You know what I mean? Like you're driving down the road in New Jersey, and there it is—a beautiful chair, but it's on the side of the road. You getting it or no? No, probably not. I, nah, I guess you're right. All right, so we're still we're over three here. We're over three. Items. The microphone uh, we may be able to use for the show. Nah. No. Okay. Nah. All right. Uh, item number four. We have former head coach Mark Trestman. He was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Vipers. I didn't even realize that. Uh, you could get the hat that he wore in the games for $2.65. Uh, I don't want Mark Tresman's sweaty hat. I'm gonna. It's a hard pass for me, Mish, on this one. Nope. nope Even at the lie. price tag for $2.00. No. I mean, I want some jerseys, man. That's what I want. I want some helmets. Because well, well, the helmets well, were cool. Back in Oklahoma and, and uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, didn't quite have that kind of success. He went on to play in the XFL for a team called the Dallas Renegades. And his jersey is on sale for $5.50, Joe. So is this the winner for you? You oh, throwing absolutely. $5 down for a Landry Jones XFL jersey? Yeah, I like some of the jerseys. Look, you you poke fun. I thought the XFL product was far better than the AAF and far better than the first time around for the XFL. I liked a lot of the wacky wrinkles they put in the games. I like the kickoffs. I like the two, three-point conversion thing and the one-point conversion. I thought all of that was fun. I thought the quality of football wasn't bad, and I thought if they had more time that it might have worked, but unfortunately, the rest is history. You know, the most, the, the biggest positive for me, this is selfish, is the Black Book got its editor-in-chief, our good friend Tim Heaney, back. It's not the way yes. I wanted to get Tim Heaney back. Tim did work. Yeah, I, I do feel bad for those people that lost yeah, their jobs. It's, with it's very difficult. But look, and but, but it was set up to fail as always. Too. I mean, it's never going to work. It's never well, look, taking a job for the NFL football, is one thing. Taking a job for the XFL is another. But look, yep. sometimes you have to take those opportunities when they present themselves, and oh, cool. you have to, oh, cool. you know, yeah, you have to go try. And I mean, had it not been for the pandemic, we might not know if it would have succeeded because. I think the, you know, from what I know, I don't know how you were feeling about it or watching it or not, but I was feeling it was bad. Well, did you watch it or you just felt it was bad? Yes. And I knew okay. it was bad. I, I didn't think it was as bad. I was surprised at how much of it I did like and watch. And I thought that, I think I still say there's a place for spring football in America. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you do not, no, but I, I think there is for people like me that don't care about college basketball. And for people who are not the biggest baseball fans, I think there's room for it. But unfortunately, it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to work out because none of these leagues. Why would you say that? Uh, well, because just for one reason or another. I mean, just bad luck, bad organization. There's because so it's many not. Things. It's not going to work. Stop trying. It's over. Don't do it. Don't waste your time. Waste our time. Tell us how great the ratings are week one, and then they plummet in week four, and then the league crashes. It's the same thing with all of these things. Anyway, that'll do it for our show today. Thanks again to everybody who watched. We appreciate it. Thank you to uh, Brett, Danny, uh, Ryan for putting the show together today. For my co-host, Joe Pizapia, I'm Craig Bish. We'll be right back here tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern, uh, right here for another edition of Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Stay on the grid. We'll catch you tomorrow at 11. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.